Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello, welcome, goal achievers. How's it going? Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host and friend, Hal Elrod. And uh, today, I am excited to introduce you to somebody that I am being introduced to for the first time. I know a lot of times I bring people onto the podcast who are friends of mine or acquaintances of mine or who I've you know connected with before. And this is actually the first time that I'm connecting with. Uh, and Nick, I actually I meant to ask you this before we got started. How do I pronounce your last name? That's like the number one question. So <laughs> the last name is Santa Nastasso. Santa Nastasso. All right. While it's hot on my tongue, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a formal introduction so our listeners know who you are. So everybody listen up. Nick is, uh, he is quite special. When Nick was conceived, he had a 30% chance of surviving birth, a 30% chance of surviving birth. And Nick was one of 12 people in the world at the time who was born with Hanhart syndrome. It's a rare genetic disorder. And Nick was self-loathing and thought about ending his life for quite some time. And fortunately, he was able to find his why through wrestling in high school. And now Nick is sharing his experience with people all over the world as a keynote speaker at schools, universities, nonprofits, as well as Fortune 500 companies. And he's using his challenges to inspire others to push beyond their suffering and live a life that has no limits. And Nick has already inspired and helped other giants in today's world, such as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, and many more. And I'll be sure to ask him uh, about those uh, interactions because I I am curious. But uh, Nick, man, everybody I have spoken with about you, like I said, it just raves about you. And it's truly an honor to, uh, to finally uh, meet face-to-face here. Absolutely, brother. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And, and same, I've heard so much about you through our, our little network. So I've heard nothing but great things. So I'm just grateful to be here. Cool, man. That's cool. I appreciate that. We, we, we hang out with some good people. <laughs> we do. We got a good tribe. We yeah. got a good tribe. Or, or they're just, or they're just full of it and they just say nice <laughs> things about us. I don't know. Well, either way, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Either or, either or. It makes us good. <laughs> so dude, so tell me, so take us back to the beginning, man. There are a 30% chance of living. You, you had this, uh, you were born with this rare disorder, Hanhart uh, syndrome. Were you, so was that detected when you were in, in, in your mom's womb? Yeah. So basically I'm the baby. So I have, I have uh, three other siblings. I have two older sisters and an older brother. And it was my mom's last pregnancy and everything was going fine. And basically they went in for a late ultrasound. So she was having ultrasounds. Everything was fine. And then they went in for like a later one. And, you know, they sat my parents down and the doctors, you know, pulled up, pulled up me, the baby on the screen. And, you know, they had a little, little bit of a puzzled face and they said, well, well, something's wrong. And my parents like, what do you mean something's wrong? And it says, well, from the looks of it, it doesn't look like your child's limbs are being fully developed. It looks like he doesn't have legs. It looks like he's missing his, his arm. And, you know, through that, they, they did a little bit more research and they, you know, classified me with Hanhart syndrome. And like you were saying, Hanhart syndrome is a super rare genetic disorder that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. And I just turned 22 on May 20th. I was born in 1996. And at the time of my birth, I was the, the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. Wow. So basically, you know, they looked at my parents and said, you know, out of the, your son's going to be the 12th. 
eight of them, eight of the babies have passed away due to ungulped organs. So, you know, that means the babies are born with, they can't breathe on their own. They can't eat on their own. And, you know, they're hooked up to machines and they, they, you know, later on pass away. So my parents, they, they looked at each other and they said, you know, we're going to, we're just going to see where life take this, right? You know, we, we can't control this. Um, so we're just going to see where life take this and, and hope for the best, be very optimistic about it. Wow. And then, uh, and, and you were born and into this day of enemies want watching the video. So, uh, you're so what uh, get, explain the, the state of your limbs now. So I was born and I was born missing my legs. So I'm born with no legs. I have, um, some quad, but no legs. I have this limb and then I have this arm, a full arm just with one finger on it. And the first things they did was, you know, do tests on my organs. You know, is the kid going to live? Yeah. My organs came back 100% healthy. Like all of my organs, like nothing was wrong. The only thing that was affected were my limbs. And, you know, that's where I, I, I go into living in a state of gratitude. You know, how important living in a state of gratitude is. It's one of my, my key messages I always preach because, you know, that is so important. And I think we all get caught up in day-to-day life, you know, our day-to-day life's very hectic and we, we forget to just like stop and just like feel grateful for things. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on the same page with you. Absolutely. So your parents, uh, they had faith, they had you, were there any complications early on or was it you just growing up with, with only kind of only one limb? Yeah. So growing up, basically when I was, when I was born, the doctors basically handed over a list to my parents. And this was a list of here are all the things your son won't be able to do, right? Your son won't be able to drive a car. Your son won't be able to walk. Your son won't be able to dress himself, be independent. And you know, that's where immediately I label that as the outside noise. And I, and I say the outside noise, we're always going to have, you know, haters. We're always going to have naysayers, people that don't think we're good enough, you know, put these limits on us. Yeah. And my parents decided, you know, like, Although your doctors, you know, I'm not going to let you put these limits on my son. I'm going to see what my son's capable of doing. And that was huge. You know, my parents, the way they raised me, I'm extremely grateful for that because I wouldn't have the mindset I do. You know, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And what I mean by that is from the earliest of ages, my parents like sat me down and, you know, they would put things in front of me. Like my parents would put in the, in the, the most polite way, they would put me in a high chair and put food and a, and a utensil and say, Nick, figure it out. Huh. Or they clothes in awesome. front of me they nick you're gonna have to figure it out because mom and dad are not gonna be here you know forever wow and the the importance behind that is like from the <laughs> earliest of ages they basically sat me down and said nick the world is not gonna stop for you because you're born like this i know like this this is the case this is the hand life has dealt you with but nothing's gonna slow down for you and that got me you know my parents putting challenges in front of me putting these like hard hardships in front of me at an early age it got my mindset in the rhythm of okay things are gonna be hard but it's not can't. It's yeah. how. You know, I'm just gonna have mm. to take, take different approaches on things. I'm just gonna have to, you know, some things may take a little bit more time for me. But by by my my parents putting these challenges in front of me at an early age, you know, I got a I got a glimpse of reality and realized that, you know, I'm just gonna have to figure out how to do things next way. Wow. Wow, man. That yeah, blessed you're blessed to have those parents. That absolutely, absolutely. Growing up, like going to school. What was that? Did you go to a special school? Did you go to regular school? Yeah. So I went to a regular school and it's funny because I think, you know, I'm, I'm 22 years old now. So the world was a little, the world's always changing, right? Sure. And the world was a little bit different back then. And one of the things that is just so amazing by my parents is I think at that time, people, society tend to hide away disabilities, mm-hmm. um, kids with disabilities, you know, put them in institutions, you know? Yeah. My parents had like the total opposite outlook there. My dad was like, everyone's going to know who my son is. Everyone's going to know who my son is and what he's capable of doing. And, you know, my parents, they, 
they got in contact with the mayor, the local mayor in New Jersey, where I was from and, and, you know, got the whole community behind baby Nicholas. Like I was, I was like a, a famous figure, like as a baby, like baby Nicholas and, and people came together for walkathons to raise money. And, you know, my parents just went against the grain and was like, you know, I'm not going to like, we're not going to hide this kid. He's a beautiful baby boy. And we're yeah. going to show the world what he's, what he's about. So I went to a regular school. And so at first, like preschool, my mom worked in the same preschool. My dad was actually one of my bus drivers way early on, but I went to a regular school and I have to admit, like before middle school, I didn't realize I was different. Like wow. I didn't realize, you know, any, any of this, I didn't realize the age, you know, I didn't realize the wheelchair. I had like the, the, the best set of environment, like the kids, my friends, like I didn't, didn't run into any teasing or bullying at a super early age. You know, I was just a, a kid, you know, living life. And then, you know, middle school, middle school was a big like slap in the face for me. And I think you can, you're, you're a parent. And I think we can all agree, you know, the listeners that middle school and high school are probably the most judgmental times of our lives when we're going through them sure. and for our lives. Right. Yeah. So I got into middle school and it was a big slap in the face for me. You know, I realized, I realized the wheelchair, you know, I realized that the kids were taller than me. I realized that although I wasn't any slower mentally, that because I was in a wheelchair, people thought I was, you know, slower, mm. you know, just these little things. And I also realized, you know, some name calling, you know, or, or pointing and whispering because I was born in this body. And I was just like, I, I can always sense that stuff because I, you know, I, my whole life I had to deal with it. Sure. So my middle school, I labeled that as like my lowest point, my lowest point. And we all have low points and middle school was my low point. I was I was depressed, got to the point where I was absolutely disgusted with living in this body. Hmm. You know, like, you know, why me? I was going yeah, through this. Sure. I, you know, why? There's billions of people born. Like, why do I have to be born like this? Why do I have to go through all these challenges? And, you know, I had no confidence, not comfortable in my skin. And it got to the point where, you know, I, I didn't want to look into a mirror. You know, I didn't want to go in public. And it, like I said, I, it got to the point where I thought the best route would be like ending it because I didn't want to live in this body anymore. Yeah. So what ages, what ages were those or what, what years? Like 12, this was like 12 through like 15, 16. Like it was just a dark time for me. Yeah. I was like, it was honestly just like, why? And you what know, did your why? parents, how did, you know, obviously from you being born, right. The decision to have you be born and, and, and that they were, and, and the decision for you to be, go to a normal school and right. So, so obviously your parents are really positive. How, what, what type of support and interaction uh, would they provide? Like, what did they say to you during that dark time? Now, this is a great question because I don't think anyone's asked me this question. And it's something that I could touch on is to be honest, I realized at an early age that I was the glue of the family. Hmm. Like I was the lantern of the family. Right. So I put on this mask, like I, through that time, you know, I didn't want to let my parents know that uh. I was, because I knew that that would affect, you know, it would be a trickle effect, you yeah. know, when I, that, the energy that I, I gave off was, you know, attractive people, people like that. So I was like, you know, I don't want to let my family know. I don't want to let my parents know that I'm in this dark time and I'm just going to deal with it. You know, I'm going to figure out how to deal with it. And that's when I realized, you know, that I'm in this slump, right. And I'm in, I'm in this hole and the only person, and I tell this people now to this day, the only person that's going to make a drastic change in your life, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, the only person that could dig you out of your hole is you. Yeah. And I realized I was like, I, Nick, you have one life and, you know, I don't want to live this life feeling like this, you know, the state I'm in, how I'm depressed and, you know, I have zero confidence and, you know, I just don't feel comfortable in my body. So I realized, I realized that I didn't want to, 
you know, let that negative energy trickle into the family and my friends. And so I, I needed to figure out a way to dig myself out of that. And that's when um, high school came in. My freshman year, I was like, okay, like I want to find a sport or I want to find a, an, a, like a club that I could be a part of. You know, maybe I get a better support system. I'll be doing an activity. I'll feel better about myself. And, it, and it's funny because we're still best friends to this day. Like I talked to him like yesterday. Yeah. And um, my best friend, he was a wrestler the, his whole life. But for, for some reason, his freshman year, he started to bowl. He was a bowler for, the, for my high school. And he was like, Nick, you know, like bowling's pretty easy. You just got to throw a <laughs> bowl to the lane. You get to eat some cheese fries. Like, I think you could do it. And I was right. like, dude, like for sure. You know, I want to <laughs> sport. I want to try, you know, an activity. And so my freshman year, I came out for my bowling team. And I remember that you have your varsity and your JV sports. So your varsity is your starting lineup and your JV is not your starting lineup. And I remember our varsity team was really good and our JV team was undefeated until I joined the team. You know, uh, I joined uh, and I, I gave uh, our bowling team one of their first loss, but it was my first, it was my first taste of, you know, being part of a team, being, you know, called an athlete. And, and that, that made me feel good, you know, just little things, basically, you know, doing things that made me feel fulfilled or made me feel a part of something. So. I did bowling and it was kind of like a glimpse of, you know, the taste of what it would be to be a part of a team. You know? And that was freshman year? Yeah, that was my freshman year. That okay. was my freshman year of high school. And then, you know, I went throughout that year and I realized that I wanted something much more. I wanted to challenge myself. You know, I wanted to do much more. And my sophomore year, that same friend, he went back to wrestling. So he wrestled his whole life. He bowled his freshman year and he's like, dude, I'm just going to do wrestling. And all my other friends were stud wrestlers from my high school. And, and I'm from New Jersey where wrestling is like very like competitive. It's like high level. Yeah. And so all my, all my best friends were wrestlers and my older brother, who's about six years older than me, I didn't get to go to high school with him, but he wrestled for that same exact high school. He wrestled for that same exact high school. So I feel like I, I organically looked up to wrestlers and I was always going to his matches, supporting him. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. Like wrestler was just like so dope. Nice. And so my sophomore year, my friends were like, Nick, you know, you, you always try new things. You always tell people to try new things. Like, why don't you try wrestling? Like we're all wrestlers. It's, it's a bunch of your buddies. Why don't you try wrestling? And I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't my arm, my arm. And what I mean by that is this arm was actually like five inches longer than it is now. And my bone was growing faster than my skin. So basically it was like your finger, but super tight and super sensitive. Oh, so wow. I, I couldn't really touch it on things because if I would have hit my, my arm hard enough, my bone would have came from my oh, skin. Oh, yeah, gosh. So, you know, I made like a conscious decision within myself. I was like, I could become a wrestler. You know, I just, I, I, I had so much good energy towards wrestler. I looked up to them. I was like, if I could be a wrestler, I'd be a stud athlete, you know, it would build my self-confidence, would make me feel better, more comfortable with my skin. And I, I made that decision within myself. I was like, I, I need to become a wrestler. So I came home one day. I'm a 16-year-old kid. I came home. I waited for both my parents to you know, get home. And I sat them down. I said, mom and dad, I want to be a wrestler. And my mom was like, Oh God, Nick, you know, <laughs> you know, God forbid, wrestling is the most physical sport. You hit your arm, your bone comes to your skin. What are you going to do then? And you know, I'm a 16 year old kid. I looked at my parents and I said, can we cut it off? And they were like, what? Wow. Said, yeah. Like, can we do something about it? This isn't serving me. Like, like, can we do something about it? And, you know, I always tell people my parents supported me in everything and anything I wanted to do. Right. But this, this was a little bit different. Wow. And so 
after, you know, a couple, couple hours of, of persuasion. And I always tell people, you know, if you're going to focus your energy on something, whether it's a goal or building a business or trying to become a wrestler, you need to give it 110% effort or you're literally selling yourself short. Yeah. We deserve to be great. We, we don't like, you're letting yourself down. So I, you know, I talked to my parents, I said, this is something that I really want to do. And my sophomore year, we scheduled my amputation. So what, yeah. So what they did was they scheduled the amputation and they did, um, they lasered about, I don't know if you can see the, the scars here, Yeah, yeah. but so basically they lasered about five inches of the, of my bone off and then pulled skin from up here. They did a skin graft. So that's pulling, um, skin from up here and then pulling it over the bone so I can have a cushion. I remember telling the surgeon, I'm like, just need cushion. Like, don't make it hurt. Like when I wake up, like I want to be able to beat people up with this. <laughs> so, um, I remember, so I went, I went ahead and I did my surgery and I had, you know, a bunch of stitches in my arm and I, it was like ghost limb, right? I could still feel my limb, but it wasn't yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> Freaky. And I remember like, I went back to school and I was the happiest kid that just cut his arm off. I remember like going back to school and I was like, people were like, dude, like, what did you just do? I was like, you know, I cut my arm off. I'm going to become a wrestler. And, you know, people laugh, you know, people like, dude, they were like, dude, really? Like, you know, how, how are you to become an athlete, let alone a wrestler? You know, it's the most physical sport, you know, you got no legs and one arm and it's the same cycle, how it's the same cycle of, you know, the, the haters, the naysayers. And yeah. I always tell people that we have that choice. My parents have that choice. You have that choice. We have that choice. And that is how are we going to let the outside noise affect us? We have a choice and that's either letting it sink us or elevate us. And my whole life, you know, I chose to use the hating, the teasing, all this stuff, the doctors. I use the, I use that as fuel to elevate myself. You know, I use that as fuel to motivate myself, you know, jet fuel to obtain my vision. And so I went back to school and people were like, dude, how are you going to become a wrestler? You got no leg to one arm. And I looked at these people. I said, you're right. I'm not going to become a wrestler. I'm going to become a varsity wrestler. Nice. And they were just like, you know, people were just like, dude, like, you know, the same old cycle of people. And I think I, from from me being born and the doctors immediately putting these limits on me, I always carried a chip on my shoulder. Um, but in a good way, you know, just, just pr proving people wrong. So my, after, after I went through the rehabilitation and, you know, I healed up my junior year, I went out for my wrestling team. And like we said, we have, um, your JV and your varsity. And I remember going into the room and it was, it was the majority of my buddies, but some people I didn't know. And I remember telling them, I said, guys, you need to beat me up. Like you need to beat me up. You need like slam my face in the mat as hard as you can, as many times as you need, because if you hold back on me, I'm not going to know how to become the best wrestler I could possibly be. Nice. And that's the same thing for my parents. If my parents gave me everything and, 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 you know, put a bubble around me and didn't let me fall on my face, you know, I wouldn't have this mentality. I wouldn't be the man I am today. So I was sure. like, guys, you need to beat me up. And, you know, they did, you know, they didn't, they didn't help. They didn't hold back on me. And my junior year, I was like, one in 20, you know, I was one in 20 and my only win was, this was my JV record. My only win was, um, my coach putting me out for a varsity forfeit so I can get my varsity jacket. And, you know, I came off the mat. I was <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I didn't earn this. Yeah. 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 And so I needed to figure out the, the best ways for me to become the best possible wrestler in my situation. Well, well, let me, let me pause. What, what did yeah. you, what was that like mentally for you? So you have this, I'm going to be a badass wrestler. I'm like, this is a dream. Uh, I'm one of the guys now. Right. Yeah. And then you're Oh, for 20 or one for 20. Like, what was that like mentally that, that those like losing match after match, after yeah. match, after match, after match, after match. I want to know that because I think that is such 
such an important lesson. Uh, you know, I want to hear your mindset around this because, right, we all go through failure and, and a lot of people after the first failure, they stop or they don't even go for the first attempt because they're afraid of that failure or the first failure stops or maybe the second or third. So how do you, how do you, you know, lose 20 matches in a row? What, what was that mindset that you had? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny you said that. So let me, let me rewind real quick. Yeah. Um, when I was like 12 or 13, I was on the today show and I remember going, you can look at this episode and as a 12 year old kid, I remember telling Ann Curry, I said, in my squeaky voice, I'm like, failure is your best friend. Nice. And, you know, I think I realized that from a way early age because everything that I attempted, how I fell on my face. You know, everything, I didn't get everything like first try, you know, getting on a chair, feeding myself. I failed at it all the time, but um, I realized that that is where you grow. That's where you figure out, you know, different approaches, different perspectives. And so from an early age, I realized that, you know, I need to go through some hard times to figure out how to be good at things. You know, I need to fail. I need to fall on my face. And that's what I always tell people, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking on stage or when I'm speaking to kids, I say the majority of you, when I say the word failure or defeat, you, you will correlate it with negative. You know, people think, you know, defeating or falling on your face is bad, but yeah. that is where the most personal growth comes from. So I think I realized, you know, trust me, don't get me wrong. Like I came off the mat crying sometimes because I just like, I was like, oh, I can't get a break. I can't get a break. And, but you know, for me, if I, if I self-reflected and I look back at my sophomore year, I'm like, well, Nick, you're on the mat. Like you, you got this taken care of. You got your arm taken care of. You're out on the mat. You're a part of the team. You know, that's progress. Progress. Yeah. Thing. So although the, the 20 wins, I mean, the 20 losses was, it sucked, you know, yeah. it sucked getting beat up, you know, and this is physical sports. Like people are beating you up. Yeah. And I, for myself, it was just coming off the mat and then, okay, what, what can I do different? What can I, what can I do in the room? That's going to make me a better wrestler. And the one thing that I want to touch on is when I wanted to become a wrestler, the only little hump, the only little challenge that I saw I had was my arm. You know, I didn't see my body. I didn't see that as a, as a challenge because I knew that my hard work and dedication, if I worked harder than the full bodied guys, that this wouldn't matter. You know, if my hard work and dedication would make up for my lack of limbs, I believe that. Yeah. And so, you know, through junior year, I figured out that I need to use my head as another hand. So I need to use my head as another defense. So what I would do is I would um, practice neck bridges. So holding myself up on my back on my neck and strengthen my neck, or I'd have my coach or my teammates come over and, and continuously maul on my head and strengthen my neck. Because that way, when I'm in a match and I'm using my head as, you know, my first, my first level of defense, they can't move me. My, my, you know, my neck is so strong. And also with, with having a strong neck is, in wrestling, if both your shoulder blades touch, you give up the max amount of points. You you give up a pin. That's six points. I said, well, if I go to my back and my neck's strong enough, then they can't pin me. They'll have to beat me in points, but they won't get the full amount of points, you know? So my, my guys always joke around with me. They're like, ask Nick. He knows how many lights are on the gymnasium uh, ceiling because I was always <laughs> on the back. And, but I had the, I had the most strongest neck bridge. Like, people couldn't put me down. And so... Um, my junior year, like I figured out, you know, little things for me to get up on people and, you know, just ways that I can be a better wrestler. And my senior year, I came out as the 106 pound varsity wrestler for my high school. And this was like, we talk about moments of confirmation, reassurance. Like this was like a moment for me. This was like a little confidence boost. I was like, Nick, like, look what you accomplished when you really set your mind to something. Right. And and you didn't care about the outside noise. You use it as fuel and you, you worked your butt off. And so my senior year, I came out as the varsity spot. Wow. And yeah, and I was like, I was amazed by it. But this was also a confidence booster for me because now, you know, I'm a varsity wrestler. Now I'm really with the boys because my junior year, I was JV. So like, 
I would wrestle before the boys went out, you know, I, and yeah. with, with, that weren't so good. Or I go to these JV tournaments where these, where I wasn't with my friends, you know, so senior year I was with the boys. I was finally with the boys and I was still at this moment of, you know, I, I was still at like, why, you know, why, like still, that's still going through my head. You know, I didn't get my answer to my why, yeah. you know, yet. and I always say, you know, wrestling saved my life because although, you know, I was, I was gaining confidence and I was being a wrestler. I still had that, you know, why me, why me? And also I was at this point of like, what am I going to do after high school? You know, what am I going to do in college? Like, what am I going to study? You know, I can't work regular jobs like other kids, you know? So that was also going through my head, like stressing about that. And, you know, my, my senior year, I was like, I was two and 17. My senior year, I was two and 17 and I beat, I beat legit like two, two guys that were full bodied. And nice. I always tell people, you know, I, I'm like two and 17. I'm like, you know what that means? I'm like, that is two more wins. I got the previous year. And that's what I call winning. That's what I call <laughs> that's, that's right. What I tell people, you know, in life, we're always trying to progress. We always want to move forward. And if you're not, you're not moving forward, you're dying. If you're not growing. And so like, even to show people paint the picture for them, that that two wins, those two little wins, you know, that's winning, you know, that's progress for me. Even, even the, the 17, the 17 losses, that wasn't as many losses that I got the previous year. So sure. little things like that were wins. But my senior year, I, like I said, I wasn't the best wrestler, but I would have gymnasiums packed to watch me wrestle. I get standing ovations when I lost. And, you know, I, I was pissed off. I'm like, why are you clapping for me if I just lost? Like, I'm very competitive. You're not supposed to applaud losing. So like, yeah, why? Yeah. And this is where I found my why. I came off the mat and I had a lady come up to me and she was crying. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, what did I do wrong? And she's like, Nick, I want to thank you. And I said, well, for what? And she said, well, my daughter never wanted to do a sport. My daughter never wanted to do an extracurricular activity until she saw you out there doing all these things. You motivated them. You, you shifted her perspective. You did something. And now she wants to try all these things. I want to thank wow. you for getting her out of the zone. And here I am. That was like my mind blowing moment, my quantum moment. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I was on the mat for myself. I was on the mat trying to, you know, build me up and I was motivating and changing lives passively. I was like, imagine how many lives I could change for the better, how many perspectives I could change for the better if I focus my energy in helping people. And that's when I realized that like, I'm an example, like Nick, you are put on this earth in this situation to show people what they're capable of. Wow. And I, that was like my, that was like my why. I don't and know. That was senior all, year. I haven't literally let you chime in. No. And that was senior year. That was my senior year. Is that when you started like, when you got clear on the why that you could help other people, how long before you connected the dots with like what that would look like, meaning I could write a book or I could be a speaker? Or yeah. So at the time I was um, a senior, that was 2014. And that's when the app Vine came out. Do you know, do you know? Yeah, Vine? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like, wasn't it six second videos or something? Yeah. 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 At the time, like Vine was super popping and you could post six second videos. So you had to be as creative as you can in six seconds. So here I am. I realized that you know, wrestling gave me enough confidence to put myself on social media because, you know, social media can be a very nasty place. And sure, say, sure, sure. Whatever they want to you. Yeah. And, but, you know, I realized I was like, well, you know, as me and you are speaking, there are millions and millions of adults and kids that don't feel comfortable in my skin. They felt just like me, you know, they don't have confidence. And so I was like, I want to create, I want to create a viral video. I want to create something that has never been done before. And I'll, I'll get to, I'll get to the message. I'll, I'll explain it. And then I'll get to the message. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying to my friends, I'm like, you know, I want to post something that's never been done before. We got to be as creative as we can in six seconds. And I said, you know, guys, what has never been done? Because if I post something that's never been done 
and it's cool. You know, it's got to like, got to pick up. It's got to get attraction. And I said, well, how many legless guys do you see, do you see crawling around Walmart pretending to be a zombie? <laughs> like, dude, they're like, no one, and no one's. And I was like, Hey, that, you know, that's a good idea. <laughs> I was a senior in high school. I had regular clothes on. I put fake blood on my face. I put fake blood on my clothes. <laughs> And I went to my local Walmart in uh, New Jersey, which huh. I'm not out in that Walmart anymore. I've been kicked <laughs> out like three times. I can imagine. Yeah. But so basically we went to this Walmart and we were looking for a victim. And so um, we're looking down the aisles and I see this guy and he's holding paper towels. He's very invested in bounty. He's huh. trying to figure out which paper towels are the best. And I said, guys, you know, pull out your phone. And so I come around this corner real fast and I'm crawling and I go, Rah! <laughs> and, you know, turns around and he throws the paper towels at my face and like he's just scared and i'm like oh my god i'm like i told him i'm like dude i'm just just a prank like sorry and i i looked at my friends i'm like was that six seconds and I'm like dude we got that all in six seconds and i'm like oh my god so i remember it was a school night and i was going home and this i was still I, senior year yeah this is my senior uh, year all right, all right. and um i remember i was telling i told myself i told my family and my friends i said guys if if this, then my goal is 500 people. If 500 kids or adults see this and say, wow, look how happy Nick is in a situation. Like, look how happy Nick is just living life to the fullest. You know, maybe I could be a little bit happier mom. That's all I wanted. You know, the people say like, dude, look at him joking around in the situation. Maybe I could be a little bit happier with what I got. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I posted the video. I went to sleep. I woke up and it went internationally viral. It had over 80,000 likes and over 80,000 rebinds. Which wow. Means yeah. And, like literally I gained 50,000 followers on Vine in the day. Like it was just like booming. Like people have never seen something like this. That's crazy. How f- how fun for anybody to be in high school and have that happen. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I went back to high school. People were like, dude, like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is amazing. I'm like, what did I just like do? Like what did I just like start? That's crazy. And the the, the amazing thing is like there was news articles all over the world from like Africa, Europe, like you name it. But the one article headline that stood out to me the most was NJ teen born with disability turned into a positive. And that's all I wanted. That was yeah. my goal. I was like, wow, you know, people are seeing that, like, like they're, they're seeing my message. And I realized that, you know, I was onto something. So for, for a year, for a year, under a year, I posted a bunch of pranks. I posted a bunch of like funny videos of me just being me. Yeah. And um I gained a million followers in under a year. Wow. Yeah. So I built this outlet on Vine and and exactly what I what I wanted to do, right, was to show people. And that led me to getting hired by Fox International to scare the main actor of The Walking Dead um in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> so if you go on YouTube and you type in uh, Norman Reedus prank or Walking Dead prank, uh Norman Reedus was the guy from Boon Not Saying. So they flew you out to Japan to do this prank? Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. I was, I was still a senior in high school and I got the <laughs> I got the I got paid for it. I got to bring my bring my parents out to Japan, like first class. Like, like I felt like the man, That's and, cool. you know, that's what I always tell people is when I started focusing on others, right. When I started focusing on just trying to bring joy or laughter or inspiration yeah. to others, amazing opportunities came into my life. And that's the same thing for not only me, but everyone, you, you know, all of us, like when we start focusing on trying to serve others, like trying to do what we love, but serve others at the same time, amazing opportunities come into our life. So yeah, if you go on YouTube and you type in like walking dead prank, like you'll see that prank, but that's I beautiful, man. That. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and to your point, you know, I, I really believe that when we focus, like focusing, most people like in life, and I don't know if it's human nature or we're conditioned, but is to get as much as you can out of life. There's even a lot of motivational quotes like that, right? Like squeeze every drop, like get as much as you can out of life, right? And I, fo- I feel like when you focus on getting as much as you can, it's very stressful. 
because you're always measuring, did I get enough? Did I get as much as he or she did? But yeah. when you do what you've done and you shift your focus to from getting to giving, and instead of focusing on getting as much as you possibly can at every situation, you focus on how you can give as much as you can in every situation, it's liberating, right? So getting yeah. is stressful, giving is liberating. And it you know, yeah. liberated you from uh, it sounds like a lot of your, you know, your body issues and all these things of like when it was about, you know, when you're looking in the mirror going, am I getting what I want? Am I, why me, why me, right? It creates all sorts of stress and anxiety. But when you look in the mirror and you're like, or you look past the mirror and you're like, hey, how can I help that person, that person, that person? That's how you find fulfillment, man. And I'm, it's, it's just beautiful to hear that you've done that. It's, it's, it's awesome, man. Absolutely. And, and that is like when I speak to kids, like, because, you know, these kids are going through a lot of things nowadays. And I always tell them, and, and even adults, I'm like, the things that I, when I was at that low point, the things that I thought were the most negative and the most disgusting things about me turned out to be my biggest empowerments and my biggest influences. Like yeah. I wouldn't be doing what I am if I wasn't in this body, yeah. you know? So just like switching my, yeah, exactly. Switching my focus and, 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 you know, how much, like, what can I give to people? You know, how much can I give? And even to this day now I realize the, like how much you give, how much value you can bring to someone. And that's what I always tell people. Like, the people's BS meters are very good nowadays. So if you sure. want to stand out, be genuine because yeah. there's not any genuine people on this earth, you know, and whether we're talking in corporates or, or realtors, I'm like, when you, when you drop the dollar sign over your client's head and you start looking at them as genuine people and you're present with them and you, and they feel like th they're loved and they're cared for, that's how you'll get referrals. That's how you'll, you'll get a bigger paycheck, but you're also caring for people, you know, and people feel that, you know, people feel when you're, just trying to, what can I get out of this person? You know, people feel yeah. that So you, it's always like win-win situations. And so like building relationships and being genuine is, is also another thing that I preach because you know, us genuine people, there's not many of us. Yeah, dude, dude, you and I are kindred spirits. I love you, Nick, man. You're, you're, I love listening to you. So now what do you, what are you doing now? Now you're a speaker, right? That's like your main focus or why don't, why don't you tell me a, how did you get into speaking? Is this, is this a new thing for you? And, and what, what's your, what's your focus moving forward? Yeah. So right now the main focus is speaking. So after, after the vine thing, um, I realized that I, you know, I had all this following, um, doing the pranks, but it didn't fulfill me. And when I have kids and grandkids, I want them to know me for much more than that guy crawling around Walmart. <laughs> so I, I started lifting. And I started bodybuilding and, you know, I always tell people all these industries that I go into, whether it's taking over the bodybuilding, modeling, speaking, whatever it may be, I didn't know how to do any of these things. But that's the beauty behind life is we are the architects of our life. And each and every day we have the ability to learn whatever we want to learn yeah. and implement it. But we got to take action. So, you know, for bodybuilding, it was trial and error, figuring out, you know, what movements work for me, how to lift, you know, getting my diet in. And, and, and that was the same thing for going in the fitness industry. I wanted to break into bodybuilding and fitness. And for the first year, you know, people didn't take me serious. I didn't know what I was doing, but my knowledge in nutrition got better. My knowledge in training got better. And then my physique started to change and people were like, wow, this kid's, this kid's serious. And I'll, I'll leeway this into speaking. I promise. It'll, all it'll right. All right. So, um, and then we got to wrap up with the rock story. I don't want to, I, I want to get, I want to hear that. <laughs> so for first year, you know, didn't get much love in fitness. And then my body started to change. I got, I was, I built a huge following of fitness. I brought my Instagram to and from 25,000 to right now we're over 400,000 on Instagram. Wow. So at that time I was like, well, if I get, if I get super in good shape, people can't take that away from me. And I could tie that into speaking. It's more motivational if I'm in shape and I'm actually pre practice what I'm preaching and everything. So yeah, I'll get into, I'll get into the rock story now. <laughs> nice. Um, leeway. So when I, I moved to Tampa a year ago, Okay. A year this month, and I promised everyone, I said, I'm going to step on the competitive bodybuilding stage before 2017 was over. 
So basically, I always tell people, like, when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, you're forced to learn. You're forced to level up and figure out what you need to do. Yeah. So I did a 12-week preparation, and I was I was two weeks out from my show, and it was September. And so I went out to Vegas for Mr. Olympia, which is one of the, is, is the big biggest bodybuilding competition. And uh, I talk about moments of being guided, and this was a moment of being guided. So the expo was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I went to the expo Friday, went to the expo Saturday, and then Sunday I decided to just chill at the hotel in the pool. And then that afternoon I was like, you know, guys, let's go to the gym. So I go to this famous gym. It's called City Athletic Club in Vegas. And right when I go in, one of my buddies is like, dude, The Rock is upstairs lifting. And I'm like, really? I'm like, that's pretty, pretty cool. I, I was like, can I still lift? Like, I still need to get my lift in. And so, you know, long and behold, I go up there and, and there's Dwayne and he's got like four security guards and he's doing dips and he's all bundled up. And I looked at my friends. I said, I said, don't bother this guy. If the rock is who he says he will, he already knows my videos through lifting. He's already reposted some of my stuff. Oh, really? Oh, nice. So I was like, this guy already knows who I am. If he sees me, he'll come up. I promise he won't just like not come up to me. Yeah. And so we're lifting and then he, the rock goes over into the corner and he takes off his headphones and people bombard him for pictures. And like, I looked at my team. I'm like, I promise guys, like just calm down and it'll happen. And then like five minutes later, you know, his security guard comes up to me and goes, can Dwayne meet you? I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm waiting. You're like, "Um, well, I'm kind of (laughs) busy. They bring me into the corner. I have this all filmed too. And, you know, he's like, he comes up and I high five him and he gets down on my level. And he's like, dude, he's like, I'm a big fan. Like, I love what you do. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm a big fan. (laughs) Are you kidding? And, you know, we're talking and I told him, I said, I'm going to do what you did. And he goes, well, what do you mean by that? I go, well, you're the rock, right? People knew you for, people knew you for football. And then people knew you for WWE wrestling. And then you just took over every industry, the the acting, the modeling, like you do everything. I said, I'm going to do what you did. Nice. Like Nick, you're right. Because people like me and you, they put us in any industry and we adapt and overcome. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, like just like another moment of reassurance that like in the right direction. And I told him about my competition we took a piece like, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, dude, like I was going to ask you. Yeah. 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 It's nice when the script is flipped and you, you, like, right? like the guy you're a fan of is coming after you. It's awesome, you're man. Fans. Yeah. So, so two weeks later we took a picture, you know, hug. And, and then later, two weeks later, I'm backstage. I'm pumping up for my bodybuilding competition. I'm backstage. I'm about to make history. And my trainer comes running up to me. He goes, dude, the rock just posted you on his Instagram. So he, he remembered the dates and you remembered when I was, and he posted this uh, picture on Instagram, which you can, this picture gets shared like all the time on all social medias now. But if you scroll down on his Instagram far enough, you'll see it. And uh, Dwayne wrote this really long, heartfelt message. And at the end, he goes, I want to thank Nick for sharpening my perspective a little bit more on life. Wow. And, like I was like, you know, oh my God, you know, and at that time I was doing some speaking, but it was more reassurance that what I was doing, like in my situation, my story, everything that I was doing, if I can motivate and change the perspectives of the top tier of the world, you know, yeah. I can the whole entire world. Yeah. So, you know, he, that was like a, a, an amazing moment, an amazing confirmation moment for me. And now like to, to this day, um, the rock only follows, uh, you know, 200 people on Instagram and I'm one of them. And, nice. you know, he comments on my stuff and, you know, he, he's on my vision board and my manifestation of like, I'm going to do a movie with The Rock. I'm going to collab with The Rock in, in, in much more ways. Heck He's yeah. got a lot gone, but it'll, it'll happen. Like, it'll eventually happen. So, you know, he comments on my stuff, and we and we keep in contact. But I know something amazing is going to happen. That's so cool, man. I'm, yeah, so, I'm so, proud of you, Nick. That's rad, dude. That's fun. But yeah. Uh, the, with the speaking, yeah, I moved to Tampa, and I talk, another moment of guided. I With a mutual friend, I went to a mastermind meeting. 
I went to a mastermind meeting and um, basically just a bunch of entrepreneurs talking about goals, different perspectives. And I met, I met my manager, Ratmer, who's, who's next to me now. He's sitting next to me now. And um, for the first session, I didn't talk. I was just like very passive, just like I didn't know anyone. Yeah. And then the second session, Ratmir was like, dude, like, what's your story? Like, I need to know. And so I told him my story. And from from that moment, like Ratmir was like, dude, like you can he, he he was heavily like he volunteered for Tony Robbins, was doing a bunch of stuff. He's like, dude, he's like, you can move the world. He's like, you are you're unbelievable. And he was literally like sold on me the first, you know, second. And you know, at first I was like, dude, I don't know you. And he's like, well, he's like, let's do work. For, like I'll do work for free, you know, no contracts. If uh, like, I'll get you booked, like we'll go do things like, and I'll prove myself to you. Nice. And you know, a couple months later, like we started a company together to, together and, um, you know, it was the tackle, the speaking industry It was the tackle, the personal development industry and, you know, break into it, be that underdog. And, you know, it was just figuring out the in and outs, figuring out referrals, figuring out how you get books, the speaking fee, you know, all that, like you're a sure. speaker that so just learning everything and you know fast forward i mean how many months has it been nine months it's been like nine months since we had the company and you know i've i've spoken on stages with gary i've spoken i'm about to do work with tony robbins i'm about to schedule a tour in china like we're gonna do a world tour in china but like i didn't know how to do any of these things that is the that is the big lesson behind this i didn't know how to do any of these things but i i was confident in my ability to learn what i needed to learn and implement yeah, beautiful man. Well, uh, you, you are an inspiration, and dude, we we I got to talk to you about it. Kevin. You, we do a, a year an event every year in San Diego called Best Year Ever Blueprint. And yeah. uh, dude, I, uh, I you know I think we have uh, if we have room for a spe- another speaker this year, I, I'd love to have you, man. So we'll have to we'll have to chat about that off 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 tape. Absolutely, man. But thank you, I appreciate that. I'm just I'm just grateful to be here. Well, dude, where's the Nick? Where is the best? As we uh, wrap up here, what, where's the best place for people to? Connect with you, follow you, book you to speak, reach out to you. Uh, where do they find you? Yeah, so my website is booknicksanto.com. Um, and they Santo, can also, S-A-N-T-O. S-A-N-T-O. So That's book easier Santo. than the full last name. Yeah, I have to put my <laughs> last name down. Um, they can find me there. And then my Instagrams, it's, it's, you can type in Nick Santo, and I'm the guy with the really long last name. And right now, um, for the future, I got a book coming out. I also got a book coming out in Chinese. Nice. And then also, um, we're filming a virtual training program. Um, it's called calm. So basically cultivating a limitless mindset. And basically it's a virtual training program where people can log in and then I take them through, you know, what are your core values? Are your core values serving you? You know, what, what is making you tick? What makes you happy? What makes you fulfilled? How to eliminate excuses, limiting beliefs. And, you know, basically going on field, like doing the things with them, because I didn't want people to think that I'm just in a studio telling you to do something. So for like real quick, an example is for the, for the no excuses or eliminating beliefs is, I tell people like, what are you feeling 25% into your goal? And then I said, well, let's see what Nick's feeling. And I go and I was in Arizona and I climbed a, I climbed a three mile mountain for the first time in my life to show people like, what am I feeling? 25%, 50%, 75%, 100% of the goal. How do you feel at the end? Oh, wow. Four hours to climb this mountain. But I wanted to show people that I'm out here in the field doing it with them. Nice. So that's that's what people can have in store for me. That's really so. unique, man. And so booknicksanto.com is where they can kind of, that's the hub to find it all. What's your book? Do you have a title for the book yet? Is that, is that right now? Out? I'm in the process of writing it. So it, it, the, the main title hasn't come to me yet, but basically it's just going to go through my life and probably like 15 to 20 lessons and things that they can apply. Yeah. Um, so they can get a deeper, deeper, um, connection with me and get the little, like the nitty gritty, like the podcast stuff of like this, but in a book form. Cool. And are you going to self or traditionally publish that if you don't mind me asking? 
We're going to self-publish. The, talk to me. The reason I ask is that that's my wheelhouse and I would love to help you, man. So let's, uh, well, yeah, text me at, yeah. Uh, today and let's jump on a call and I'll just tell you everything I know about that world. And yeah, man, I yeah. want to help get your message out there as, as much as I can. Yeah, I appreciate that. I got your number and, and yeah, I'll text you and we'll schedule a call so we can rekindle and, and talk about some things. Cool. Nick, well, dude, you are, you are living, you are living your, your highest purpose, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. It's an honor to know you. And I didn't, we didn't know each other. 45 yeah. minutes ago and i'm a huge i'm a huge fan and, and a friend so uh thanks for being on the show brother likewise i'm grateful thank you so much ditto man all right goal achiever thank you for tuning in to another episode of the achieve your goals podcast check out nick's website book nick santo s-a-n-t-o.com for all things nick and uh yeah man i i'm gonna go i'm about to follow you on every social media i'm, I'm inspired uh as well dude so i appreciate you and goal achievers i appreciate you catch you next week love you everybody take care Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.